Welcome to Sizzlin' Arrow Outdoors. Our podcast, like our community, is all about helping you live a healthier lifestyle by learning how to prepare your own mouth-watering meals for friends and family while supporting local farmers and ethical hunting practices. Fresh, clean, organic. It's time to eat right by owning your food from turf to table. And now, here's your host, Sizzlin' Arrow founder, Paul Rhodes. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Sizzlin' Arrow podcast. I appreciate y'all being here today. And you know, before we get started into the actual episode, I do have a couple mentions for you. Uh, so starting in April, we're going to start our virtual cooking classes again. Uh, we're doing the world tour cooking classes. So what we're doing is we're taking different cuisines from around the world, different ethnical tastes or flavors. We're going to do some traditional stuff. So our first ones are going to be kicking off in April and those are going to be, we're going to be focusing on America and Mexico. So we've got gourmet hamburgers. I'm going to be doing a blue cheese jalapeno and caramelized onion on a brioche bun. So all that's, you know, mixed up. We're going to grind our own meat. And if you don't have a grinder, that's fine. You can get some pre-ground meat from the store, but I'm going to show you how to do it from start to finish, what kind of flavors to incorporate in it to make the best burger you've ever tasted. Um, we're also going to have home cut fries. So we're going to make our own French fries with that too. I'll show you the blanching process and how to make them nice and crispy at home. Uh, Mexico, we're doing a marinated flank steak and chorizo tacos. So we're going to do the marinade. We're going to, you know, you can pick up chorizo from the grocery store or you can even better buy it from a local farmer in your area and have that ready. And we're going to make uh, our own tortillas and also have black bean and corn salad with that too. So great stuff there. Uh, very exciting. I'm limiting the classes to 10 people only uh, per class and it's $20 per class. So if you're interested, make sure you email me paul at sizzlingarrow.com. I can get you the set dates and everything along those lines and the link for payment. And if you want individual classes, you know, one-on-one courses, we can definitely look at doing that too. Those are going to be a little bit different costs and we can cater it to what you want to learn how to cook. So just hit me up, paul at sizzlingarrow.com and we can get you set up with the cooking classes or one-on-one courses as well. Anyway, today's episode, I wanted to kind of go over a few kind of must-haves or things that I feel are necessary for the serious cook or for cooks in general. These are the things that I have in my kitchen that honestly I don't think I could really live without. So if I go on vacation, I'm cooking at an Airbnb and using their kitchen and their equipment, there's always something in there that I don't have that I really wish I have that I have at the house. So anyway, we're going to get into this and this is just my list of items that I feel every cook should have in their kitchen. So it's not too lengthy, but it does cover quite a few things. So anyway, uh, first off, every serious cook or again, cook in general, if you're just getting started, if you've been cooking for a long time, you need to have quality knives. All right. Quality knives are definitely a must have for any cook. And I'm not talking about going out and buying a whole set. All right. Um, you can if you want to, but to get a quality knife in a whole set really is going to be expensive right off the get go. Um, and then 
Two, there, there's a lot of knives in there that you really don't need, that you don't necessarily need to get started or to have a... Um, they're not necessary. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so really, in my opinion, you really only need four different knives to get started with. And then you can add to your collection from there. So the knives that I recommend having, for one, an 8-inch chef's knife. That is key. I mean, if you don't get any other knife, an 8-inch quality chef's knife, you can pretty much do anything you want with that. Um, you're going to want a paring knife uh, for you know the smaller jobs, little uh, fine detail things. A fillet knife, or you know you can use that for boning out meat as well. But a good fillet knife, kind of a flexible uh, knife that you can fillet fish with, that you can bone out different red meats and pork and stuff like that. So that's a pretty versatile knife as well. And then a slicing knife. A nice long, probably, I would say 10 to 12 inch slicing knife. You know, you can slice your roast. Uh, you can even use that for slicing bread. You don't necessarily need a serrated bread knife. Um, those are handy. They're useful, but it's not something that you absolutely need right off the bat. So those are what I would say if you have just cheap knives and you want to invest in nice knives, which is a definitely a recommendation, Start off with the top four, in my opinion, and then you can add to it from there. So a few knives to look at. You know, the Wolstoff Classics are great. They're great all-around knives, and they're not too terribly expensive. I prefer the Shun knives. Uh, those ones are a little bit more finicky, and uh, they are prone to chipping and stuff if they're not used correctly. So you you can look at Mac as well. Mac knives are pretty good. They've got a lot of great uh, reviews on them. Zwilling uh, is another one. They're on the cheaper end of knives, unless you get the Zwilling Pros, and they're right up there around the Wustoff. But these are a few different knives that you can look at. And, you know, there are other knives out there. I would just recommend going to a local kitchen store, quality kitchen store. I mean, even... You know, Bed Bath & Beyond, I think, has a decent amount of them. Just go in and feel them. See what feels best in your hand because really what it boils down to when you're getting a quality knife is how it feels in your hand and how you can maneuver with it. So go in and feel a few, just like when you're purchasing a bow or a rifle or looking at binoculars, you want to go and look at them first and feel them and see how they feel to you. So same with knives. Second thing is a good quality peeler. So peelers... <laughs> they're not all created equal, I can tell you that. You have the cheap ones, the old ones that you've probably seen in your grandma's drawer that are just a metal stick with a peeler on the end of it. And, you know, those take off way too much of the product that you're peeling, such as you know a carrot or whatnot. You're going to pull a lot of the meat, not just the outer shell. You know, I personally like the Vic Victornox Rex peeler. Yeah, the Victorin Victornox. Yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it. So, or at least that kind of style or shape. What it does is it's strong enough and sharp enough to handle rutabagas and some other very hard vegetables, sweet potatoes, potatoes, carrots, but it takes off very minimal uh, meat. It, it just cuts out the outer shell if you would so a good quality peeler again go and feel them see which ones feel good to you but i do like the victorinox rex peeler style those ones fit my hand really good um a good quality cutting board is a must so really with the cutting boards i would recommend solid wood cutting boards or a butcher block or a good quality plastic slash polyurethane cutting board so do not 
I repeat, do not use glass. Do not use, um, what is it, marble. You know, any of those really slick surfaces if you gotta just do do yourself a favor and if you have a glass cutting board throw it in the trash because that one thing with glass is going to dull your blade two it is very hard to control your knife on there and you're more prone to getting sliced like slicing your finger or cutting your finger off while you're using that uh because there's no it doesn't hold the knife blade when you're cutting it, it it slides everywhere so it's very slick so get wood or polyurethane or plastic cutting boards not glass or um, marble or uh, granite or any of those supposable fancy things a good whisk that is uh, another necessity uh, you definitely want to have at least one whisk in the in the drawer um you know for whisk i use whisk almost as much as i use my knives because yeah you know, i use it for whipping you know different desserts or creams i use it for my sauces i use it for uh roux i use it for mashed potatoes or whipped potatoes really and uh it just they they're so versatile and they're so useful definitely definitely get a good whisk if you don't have one um if you do baking or make a lot of sauces um or you want to make sauces a rubber spatula is definitely something that i would recommend having even if you don't do a lot of baking or sauces rubber spatulas are good to have anyway because you know when you're when you're making we're just going to say, let's use whipped cream as example. So let's say you're whipping the cream, okay? You got it ready to go and you want to transfer it to a bowl or a container or a piping bag. There's nothing better than a rubber spatula to get every little bit of it off the bowl. So, you know, especially with the prices of groceries going up and up, you want to make sure that you save and utilize and not waste any food if you can help it. So rubber spatulas are very useful for that. And they're also good for folding um, batters together, folding in eggs to batter, scraping mashed potatoes out of the pot onto a sheet tray for cooling. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can use that for, and I definitely recommend having a rubber spatula. A good thermometer is key. Uh, you can either use the old old fashioned one that you have to temper. To do that, if you have, there's like a little nut at the bottom of the um, thermometer and what that does is you usually they come with a little tool the sheath that you put it in has a little tool on there that you can put on that nut and then adjust it so when you temper i think it's no calibrate sorry when you calibrate the thermometer you're going to want to take a cup full of ice okay and fill it up with water and let you know stir it around because generally what that does is going to drop that water down to about 32 degrees and then you'll put your thermometer in there and see if it hits the 32 degrees to see if it's on if not you're going to have to calibrate the thermometer with a little hex tool or a screwdriver not a screwdriver but a um wrench if need be to get it to the proper temperature to make sure you're getting proper readings but to save you some time and some headache digital thermometers really aren't that expensive and they're pretty accurate so you can find those pretty much at any store that you go to whether it's walmart academy sports um i got mine from academy sports barbecue section uh home depot any any of these places you can find them okay so definitely get a good thermometer i'd recommend a digital thermometer just they're easier to use you don't have to worry about you know, calibrating um, measuring cups and spoons. So you need to have a measuring set of measuring cups and a set of measuring spoons. Those are very useful if you are baking. But even if you're making recipes, you know, let's say you're 
I'm terrible at this. You know, I just like put stuff together and then I'm like, oh man, that was awesome. And then I know the ingredients I put in there, but I don't know exactly the amounts that I put in there. So I have to tweak it and play with it every time. So really it's a lot better and smarter to just use the measuring cups right off the bat or the measuring spoons right off the bat and just write everything down. That way you can tweak it as you're making it. And then once it comes out tasting good, you've got everything written down. So measuring cups and measuring spoons are definitely a good thing to have. Um, digital scale is a good thing to have too. I like weighing out ingredients, especially when I'm baking stuff, uh, makes it a little bit easier and, um, you can copy it down really quickly and uh, have more precise recipes with that. A fine mesh sieve or strainer. So for a colander, a strainer, you know, I like the fine mesh ones because I can use it for, you know, straining pasta, but I can also use it for making mousselines or, excuse me, getting all the chunks out of different sauces, such as marinaras, if I want a really smooth one or soups. Um, so those are really good to have and you're not going to lose stuff when you pour it into the fine sieve because nothing's really going to go through it unless you push it through. So any bigger pieces like pastas are not going to fall into the sink. And if you have a colander with the big holes in it, everyone knows that you will lose spaghetti strands out of that. And it's kind of frustrating. So fine mesh strainer. Definitely a good uh, good thing to have. A microplane fine grater. So what these are? They're they're sticks, little sticks with a handle on it. But they're they're like a cheese grater, but very very fine teeth on it. So you can you know grate nutmeg, or you can like really grate garlic or zesting lemons. That's what I use mine for: zesting lemons and limes for different flavorings and sauces and stuff like that. Um, and also grating Parmesan cheese, like the hard cheeses, it's really good to get a real fine grate on those and it looks really good and, um, less, less waste with those two. So micro plain fine grater is definitely another thing that I would recommend having a good set of stainless steel pots and pans. So you're going to, okay. So stainless steel, I prefer those over nonstick. I don't like having everything nonstick because for one, they don't stick. Like when you're doing pan sauces and other things, you're going to want to have that um, little bit of drippings and stuff stuck to the bottom of the pan. Uh, just kind of gives a little bit better flavor. But I find that the cooking is a little bit more rounded and even with the stainless steel. And I, I don't know. I just, I like stainless steel uh, pans. I use the Caflon signature pans. I got those at a really, really good deal. Uh, through Marshalls, I think it was. So all clad is another great option. But if you're going to buy high quality pans, such as the Caflon signatures or the all clads, check out TJ Maxx, Home Goods, uh, Marshalls. Those ones tend to have them for reasonable price, and you're not going to have to take a loan out for these pans. So uh, definitely check those out first if you're in the need for new pans. And, I mean, you can get the sets or you can just buy them individually and just get the ones that you want. Um, if you're getting pans, if you're buying them individually, I'd recommend at least you know two, probably 12-inch saute pans, uh, at least one raised edge saute pan and you know make sure they have lids with them a stock pot you know a big stock pot and a couple small like saucepans or pots so easiest way to do is just get a set with everything in it and then add a few extras to it 
Um, at least two, so you're going to want to have at least two nonstick pans, you know, for breakfast cooking and eggs. Uh, that way you can, because putting eggs in a stainless steel pan, you can do it, but it requires a lot more oil. And so nonstick pans are good for breakfast cookery, eggs, omelets, stuff like that. Um, you're going to want to have at least two half sheet trays. These are big for me because I put everything on sheet trays, uh, when I'm baking anything from twice baked potatoes to ribs, to chicken, to, I mean, pretty much I can put anything on a sheet tray in the oven and cook it up and it comes out perfectly. You can put parchment paper on it and keep it from getting really stuck on food to where it's easier to clean. Sheet trays are great for cooling items down. If you're cooking for uh, get togethers or bigger parties or, you know, let's say Thanksgiving, you can put the stuffing out on it and uh, let it cool down. I mean, a lot of different things you can use a half sheet tray for and they fit in the oven is don't get a full sheet tray because those won't fit in the regular house ovens. You're going to want mixing bowls. So if you're on a budget, I would just go with two mixing bowls. Again, you can find these at Home Goods or Marshalls for reasonable. I think they're like seven to ten bucks a piece. Um, but two just medium, probably medium size to large mixing bowls because, you know, if you get a small one, you're not going to be able to do bigger batches. If you get a large one, you can do smaller batches than the large one. Um, I have seven bowls, seven mixing bowls in my kitchen. And they range from small to extra large. Just depends on what I'm using them for. But to start off, I would just recommend two medium to large size mixing bowls. Uh, a good blender. I, I like blending my soups. I like blending my sauces. I like having a nice smooth texture on the palate. So definitely a good blender in the house would be good. I've got the uh, mid-tier cuisine art, which I've had for over five years now. It might be six. Um, but it's the Hurricane model. And for a blender, I think I spent... 75 to 100 bucks on it but for i've definitely got my money's worth out of that so anyway so a good blender is definitely another thing that i would recommend you're going to want plastic storage containers and solid lids that go with those to where you can keep air out of it and pests and bugs and all that stuff so i, I like to put my flour my sugar um you know different sauces and stuff that i make and put them in the fridge and i can label them so plastic storage containers really the number of those just whatever what you can afford um I, i'd probably recommend to have at least three large ones for flour and sugar and then you know maybe one for rice and then some smaller ones for sauces and stuff to keep in the fridge if you get into making sauces. Of course, everyone should have plastic wrap. Uh, that one's a, a given. It's good for wrapping up extra food and just keeping uh, things fresher for longer. Because if you put something in the fridge, it's not wrapped, it's going to go bad pretty quick. And it's also going to pick up different flavors from the fridge and it's not going to taste as good. So uh, parchment paper, as I mentioned earlier, good for layering over sheet trays and stuff to keep pick up uh, easy and um, not make as big a mess on the uh, actual sheet trays. But also parchment paper is good for making piping bags and things like that too. So uh, parchment paper is a good one. Aluminum foil, another good one for wrapping different things to put in the oven, you know, covering dishes like meatloaf or ribs if you're doing oven ribs. And you can also use it for covering things as well. I put it on my 
the bottom of my Traeger grill to where I don't have to scrape off a bunch of grease off the actual metal. Uh, I just have to pull the aluminum foil off and then replace it. So it makes it a lot easier there. Cheesecloth is another thing that I like to have in my kitchen uh, just because I can make little sachets for stocks, uh, put in my herbs and then tie it up with some butcher string. So cheesecloth and butcher string are uh, a couple other good things to have in there. You're not going to use them all the time, but they're, they're nice uh, additions in the kitchen. But so anyway, this is really all I wanted to go over with you guys. Just a few things that I feel that every cook should have in their kitchen. And, you know, if there's uh, something I miss, which I'm sure there is, if there's something that you just can't live without in your kitchen, shoot me a message, you know, leave it, leave it in the comments and let me know about that. And yeah, I'd like to get a little conversation going around this to see what other people feel is important to them to have in their kitchen. They just can't, that they just can't live without. So make sure you put that in the comments. Let me know what you can't live without in your kitchen and uh, we'll see if I missed anything. But anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Hope this was helpful and yeah, definitely make sure you leave us a five star rating and of course leave reviews, give us the comments, but as always, uh, appreciate y'all listening, and we will be back here at the end of the month with another interview show. And in the meantime, make sure you check us out on the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And we uh, truly appreciate y'all and look forward to bringing more content to you here shortly. So y'all have a good day. Get in the kitchen. Get outdoors. Just make things happen, guys. And if you don't have some of these things that I mentioned, uh, maybe go shopping this weekend. All right, y'all. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sizzle and Arrow podcast. Learn more about how we give our members the tools they need to become self-sufficient in transforming their eating habits by visiting www.sizzleandarrow.com. You can also follow our hunting, farming, and culinary experts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time.